I didn't know how to speak English, uh, they make me the bar manager. <laughs> you wowed them with your cocktails. That's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, the love and passion, the Italian nose, the amore, you know? So at that point, you know, people were coming to me, can I have a beer? And so, you know, they drink the four weeks gold, a light beer. But at that point, if someone comes to you, they don't know English, and they're coming to you and say, oh, can I have a four weeks gold? Good day, mate. <laughs> I would say, what's going on? What they want? I didn't know. So you so, gave them a Negroni instead. That's it. That's <laughs> I swear. That's why I started to do it. People just start to loving it. Welcome to the Lush Life Podcast. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, and I bring you the how-to guide for living life one cocktail at a time. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by cocktails ever since. Together, we'll learn from bartenders, brand ambassadors, distillers, and others why certain drinks are popular in certain cultures, how to make the perfect old-fashioned, when to shake and when to stir, and so much more. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let the fun begin. I just realized our new season is heavy on the gin. That's great if you like that kind of thing. I must admit I almost called a lush life manual the gin hater's diary because of my distaste of the stuff. But since meeting Olivier, Mikey, Sam, and now our guest today, Danilo Tersigny, I truly have been converted. Darest I say a Negroni has become one of my favorite cocktails? Which brings me to the goal of a Lush Life Manual and the Lush Life Podcast. I give these episodes nifty titles like this one, How to Make a Perfect Italian Negroni. That's because every episode, every place I drink, I hope to learn a little more about what I'm drinking, who made it, and the science behind it culminating in my living life one cocktail at a time. Today, our guest Danilo Tersigny will teach us what goes into a true Italian Negroni. He holds two positions, the opening general manager of Mr. Fogg's in London, as well as the founder and director of Seven Hills Gin with Filippo Previero, who I interviewed here last season. I have a feeling the perfect Italian Negroni begins in Italy. I come from Sora. Sora is a little town just on the south, between Naples and Rome, of 30,000 people. Okay, so in the countryside, nice valley, you can see the snow, and then 30 minutes you go to the seaside. So, pretty much perfect. When I was young, obviously, I, uh, so I went to school as every kid does, okay, and um, around 14 years old, I started working in bars. It was more of a necessity for my family, financially, so I was trying to help. Were these bars in Sora? Yes, it was in Sora, yes. So I was trying, I started some more like a weather kind of glass washer, like, you know. The well, what kind of bar? Of, I mean, Sora, you said, what, is tiny. Yeah, it's tiny. Are we tiny. trying to cafe? So you have, or? Uh, you have a main street, yes. and these main streets are like 
17 churches and three bars. Yes. As always in it is southern Italy. Italy. Yes. So, and so obviously these three bars, one of them just open it and, you know, it's just like more co- cafe bar, you know, like usually Italian bars. Mm. Where you so, get a cappuccino, ma- Cappuccino during the day, in the evening, you know, you go in there, you have your aperitivo, your, your amaro, okay, your little cocktail, if they do one. So, and I started, yeah, and I started, as I said, more for necessity. So, and uh, yeah, I was waiting, you know, and on the floor, having drinks, uh, making drinks sometimes. And that was like a wow, you know, making a vodka tonic. So, like, yes, I made a vodka tonic. So, after that, obviously, I, I finished my study. Okay, that didn't, was totally different from what I actually ended up doing. So, I was what, doing, we, I was doing was IT. IT. Yes, so I, uh, I finished the school at 17 years old, so one year earlier. Um, and I moved to Rome. I moved to Rome, and I start. Uh, that's yeah. I start working. So you were thinking. I was thinking forward. Thinking, I thinking I'm yeah. gonna be in IT. That's it. No, no. I'm more thinking like I've done the school. I'm not gonna move to Rome to see what I can give it to me. You okay. know, moving. It's like you're moving from a small town to a bigger town. Mm-hmm. And as because uh, I started anyway, the only thing I knew that's had on this event was actually hospitality. You know, a little bit of attending, a little bit of wedding. So I moved to, to Rome and the, my you first were 17. Job, I was 17, yeah. Young. And my first job was in the Sheraton Hotel in, uh, in Rome, being a uh, barbeck. And that's a funny story because in that hotel, I met two guys, Simone and Francesco. And these two persons, I will tell you later, I met, uh, I met them later 10 years after in London. And before they used to be my manager and now I'm their manager. <laughs> Did so they the ever talk about um, going to London while you were in Rome? No, 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 at all. No, None. None. I mean, the only thing I know it was the pennies on the table, and <laughs> my name is Danilo. <laughs> so no, not at all, because I wasn't I wasn't great at school. That's all. So um, after that, I uh, I've been in Rome, was in Rome until twenty twenty one, and at one point I decided I need to leave. I mean, I did everything I needed. So you know, when you want you want to open your wings and see what is outside mm-hmm. and London was too close so I left for Australia by myself for 300 euro in my pocket I sold, I sold, I sold my car so how, boats. how old were you? 21? 21 21 I sold my car uh, anything that I bought in that 4 years to buy it and one way to get to Australia <laughs> was your, were your parents panicked? like he's never yeah, coming my mom was a bit panicked <laughs> yeah uh, I said, where are you going? I was like, yeah, I'm going there. I said, what are you going to do? I said, what I'm doing here. I mean, like, how hard it can be. I mean, when you just speak English, it's okay. I'm going to learn, you know? <laughs> so I, I flew and, and my aunt's, what was that? The 1st of April. And I flew on the 1st of April. I arrived in um, Brisbane, Australia. Uh, after that, I took a bus to Gold Coast for the only reason, because I knew it that was quite like a good place to start, you know? Did uh, you know anyone? No one. No one. And the only thing I had in my pocket was 300 euro. And I was like, okay, that's okay, so what am I going to do? So the first thing I went to, I had a B&B for two nights, paid. I said, at least I'm not uh, going to sleep in a B&B. And I went straight to give my CV around. But obviously, 
The only thing. What city was it? That my city, um, Gold Coast Surfers Paradise. Okay. Yeah. So, and the only thing I knew I had to say was, hello, my name is Danilo. Um, I'm looking for a job. <laughs> That's all. Whatever, <laughs> they were, the whatever, whatever the conversation was forward to me back, I was like, yeah, yeah, yes, 100%, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even understand what they were saying. But, um, so I found this job, okay, and um, on, the, on the coast uh, was Safa Sandbar, it was called. And I had a great relationship with the, with the, with the owners, with the family. They were so nice. Um, they, they raised me as, as their kids. They teach me English, and I stayed there for two years. And I became the bar manager, with, even without speaking English. And that's where I give the Gold Coast a little bit more creativity on the cocktail. I started to make a cocktail that they never saw it down in Gold Coast at that oh, time. I yeah. was just about to ask that. Um, what, I was going to say, what kind of drinks were you well, making when I, when I was there, I mainly think they weren't their cultural cocktails. So if you had, it was more like 1990s in Italy. Or in Europe, so sex on the beach, and uh, so I was, I was feeling quite odd. I was like, "That's really like old style, you know." So I start to experiment a little bit, you know, creating a little bit more classic, like the Negroni, the Martinets, the Gimlet, something that's back to the basic. They didn't even know did exist. So for me, it was quite a good uh, way to sell myself. Had you learned those while you were in Venice? I learned Virginia that. Yes, I learned them in Italy through mm-hmm. hotels. Uh, I worked in hotels. I worked in the billionaire in. Uh, Porto Cervo. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I so learned pretty sophisticated places. Yes, yeah. So it's pretty high ends, uh, five stars hotel, uh, really kids, I end bars as well. So that's why I learned in Italy. And so how did they react? The uh, well, they were impressed. That's Germans. why. I mean, even I didn't know how to speak English. Uh, they make me the bar manager. <laughs> you wowed them with your cocktails. That's it. I mean, like the love and passion, the Italian nose, the morning, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, you know, people were coming to me, can I have a beer? And so, you know, they drink the four weeks gold, a light beer. But at that point, if someone comes to you, they don't know English, and they're coming to you, say, oh, can I have a four weeks gold? Good day, mate. <laughs> I would say, what's going on? What they want? I didn't know. So you gave so, them a Negroni instead. That's it. That's what I swear. That's what I started to do. People just started loving it. I mean, I lo- they loved the fact that I didn't understand, so I, but I was selling something else, you know? And they loved the fact, and I started to build my own little community where people used to come to us just to have drinks. And after that, I left. I went to Sydney for a little bit, Melbourne, uh, traveling, Gallup Spring, Perth. It must have been hard to leave there, though. Uh, well, by yourself is hard sometimes, uh-huh. yes, especially when you you feel uh, you feel lonely, you know, because you don't speak English and... Uh, and you had such a family there, it yeah, seemed. You yeah, yeah, care yeah. Of. So they, you know, they raised me up and they they were really like... I left, but I left with, uh, with, 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 a, with a thought that I needed to grow. And if I teach something at 21 years old, it wasn't worth it because uh-huh. I wanted to learn. So, you know... It was the opposite. So at that point, I left. I was, I stayed five months in Asia. So I did Vietnam, Cambodia, Malaysia. Uh, so I spent all the money that I make in Australia. <laughs> so just being a tourist, That's no bartender. No, I just like yeah, you know, traveling. I, had, I ended up in a bus from Cambodia to Vietnam with all my soldiers with the guns in the bus. In the bus I was like, what the hell is going on? But yeah. Uh, Hopefully, you were texting your mother every never. so often. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I and during. I mean, the worst part uh, when I was in Australia and. Uh, with this guy Jake, is uh, one of my best friends anyway, and he took me to do some surfing on a desert island, and the jet ski broke down. We stayed forty eight hours without water, food oh. on, a, on a desert island, 
And you know what I did? After two days, thanks God, like a fishboat came by, they took us, they took us to the city, and I went straight down to have a shower, go to work, like nothing happened. And my mom, when they called me, so how was your day? I was like, nothing, just had a shower, go to work. <laughs> I can imagine telling her that was like for two days. You, you can't know, tell a mother You that, can tell that. Yeah, yeah, no, so. Years later. No, oh, by the way, all. remember when you called? Yeah, yeah I that's just it. Right. That's what I did when I came back. <laughs> anyway, you know that, yeah. So after that, I, so when I was in Asia, I have to, I spent all my money traveling. So I was like, what am I going to do? So I, I bought one way ticket to London. So I didn't, I didn't see my family for already two, two years and a half. And I didn't want to stop in Italy, in Rome, because if I did, I didn't have enough money to go to London. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like uh, losing a battle, you know? Mm-hmm. So at that point, I, I, I had a direct ticket to London, I arrived in London. Uh, and the first job I found was the opening of Bunga Bunga in Battersea. Oh boy. Yes. So that was, was meant to be. It was meant to be, you know, <laughs> the Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I started there with Inception Group and Robin, Charlie, Duncan, that was really kind. They, as, as, as I said, they are family. And with them, I started their the career in London. I became, Had you heard of Inception Group before? No, well, you know, I was in Australia traveling, right. I mean, like, uh, you know, exploring the words so I came it was so just you like, kind of saw oh see, there's I a mean, bar and there's a bar Bunga. they're opening let me see if I uh-huh. can it make has a word, the, it kind of an Italian name that's it right? you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> Italian name I might be able to do something different so I, got, I went straight there and yeah I got the job I still don't know how they give me a job because <laughs> I didn't know my English was still a bit rough I mean it was an Italian that learned English in Australia so you can imagine my, my how, how was my English okay so I moved to, to London, I found a job, I started with them, and from them I started my career. Mm-hmm. I became bar manager of Bunga, I, after that we opened Mr. Fox residence, there has been my achievement, personal achievement as a baby. Well, which yeah. is an incredible achievement, it's because incredible. it's now yes. one of the great bars of London. Yeah, well, it's in the world still. In the world, yes. So, <laughs> yes, 100%. I mean, we, you know, we had our uh, awards as well as the best, you know, we, we arrived 72nd bars in the awards two years ago. So I was so proud of it. So it was, it's, it's still my, my favorite. Because you came in as the head there, as bar manager. I came as an assistant general manager, uh-huh. really, yes. So, and after that, after two months, I became GM. So and I I stayed there and I raised the bar as I, I wish was my house my my residence. Not did you work on the menu? I worked on, you everything, worked yes, on, on everything. the drink list, on the on you know, the most important thing for me obviously when now especially that I'm I'm now the opening general manager for mm-hmm. the Mr Fox brand. So anything any any Mr Fox I gonna open I open it for them. When so, you heard the concept, did you think this is fabulous? That's what I want. Yeah. Yes, you know, and I I start with them and. The most thing that I, when I opened the bar, for me was to try to recreate an experience that people can never forget. So the fact that you open at the door and you forget about the real world because you go back, you know, in the eighty eighty five. I so have Victoria to. Age. I have to tell you that when I I had been and my mother was doing some research on London and they come quite often yeah. and she said there's one place I want to come next time I've read about this bar called Mr. Fogg's That's right. and I said of course we have to go and she rarely says that not that she doesn't like bars but they, my I father love your and mom mother already. They, yeah. <laughs> but she's you know she said this this is a bar I really want to go and yeah. you know you walk in there and it is just mind-blowing you it know is mind-blowing. just it's taking you it's like if you uh-huh. go back in time it's mm-hmm. like if you open the door and the fogs come out to you find 
you know, oh, what is going on? You mm-hmm. know, it's like a film. Mm-hmm. So from that, I we opened Miss Fox Tavern and Gym Parlor. So I became GM for both for for short periods. And after I I left for a little while to do that because I enjoy opening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went kind of to open a, a place called Bokan mm-hmm. uh, on the 39th floor of a new a newest novel held at the open. It was quite an adventure because when it was windy, the the the, the building was moving on the sides three inches for sides. It was scary. I would be scared too. It was. <laughs> I personally was like, "Can't yeah." <laughs> How so, many floors is it? Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Mm-hmm. Yes, we were at the top, mm-hmm. so it was a challenge. But I, that was a good experience. I learned a lot, and I understand as well that I do like more cocktail bars and hotel bar, but that's okay. <laughs> so when did you start thinking about Seven Hills? So uh, during the opening, when we opened, when I started Mr. Fox, uh, I I met well, I I know Philippe already for some years. I met him in Bunga. Mm-hmm. When uh, while we were working together in Banga Banga, so we opened uh, Miss Fogs and he became the head bartender. I was the assistant general manager there, and uh, one day we had a vision: the fact that we wanted to create the Italian product that will be the Italian product, like with roots, tradition, innovation, but something that I think was missed, you know, three years ago, where you didn't have. An Italian product that was worldwide, apart from Amaro or Vermouth. Like we, we, Italy didn't have a white spirits, a vodka gin that is like, mm-hmm. oh, that's Italian. And we wanted to fill up that gap, especially after the Negroni was coming up, you know, and the aperitivo. And you see the Negroni has, has always been two thirds English, uh, sorry, two thirds Italian and one third English because the gin was always. You know, English or Dutch, so you didn't have the perfect thing. Mm. For us, it was something that we really wanted to create, as much to yeah to highlight that we are Italian and we want to highlight that we are proud of it. And we want to create a bottle and a liquid that's you know show that to the to the consumer to the bars. So we take the challenge and we started uh, in Mr. Fox residence. Uh, we took some illegal 95 percent. Alcohol proof from Italy. <laughs> I start to do our little. You know, portions. we have that in the states too. When I once brought a bottle back yeah, it's on an airplane, and I didn't know you weren't supposed to. Yeah, it's illegal in the UK. Yes. So we start to like to do a little bit of potions and botanicals, and the things as well. You know, when we started, it was like, yeah, we want to create that. You know, the arty shop because everything was inspired from the ancient Romans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we use three words in our brand: is origini, tradizioni, e spirito italiano. So the origin means the roots, and for us was the ancient Romans. So anything that they used to use uh, for culinary or medical purpose, we wanted to use that in the limits. And after you got tradizioni, traditions. So what it tra- what that what Italian loves to do: sit, be together, eat, drink. Okay, and just the fact that everyone we love to say that everyone deserves amore. Okay, <laughs> that's the that's the phrase that's uh, in Italy as well. When you go around your family, your friends, everyone is there for everyone. So that's the tradition. After the spirit of Italiano, so the Italian spirit, Italian spirit as a soul, as a spirit, and a spirit as a liquid. So we want to represent these three uh, words that is actually our brand. So technically, you went back to Rome. 
Technically, I went back to Rome. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Then you know. So you what? really I, all, you left one foot there. Yeah, I, well, I left my heart there. Yes, definitely. Yes, <laughs> definitely left my heart there. Yes, <laughs> it's you know when you, um, I love Italy. You know, I um, everyone knows anyway. The Italy's for, still for me the you know the, the most beautiful place in the in earth, but. As everyone knows as well, it's not the best time to live there if you want to build your career. Mm-hmm. Or so for me, it was perfect to donate and something that's related to Italy. And but obviously, I have the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. So UK did that for us, and as well as I said, Inception Group and the Fogs, everything gave us the chance to build us a career. So you know, and that's great. You know, you couldn't ask for more. Mm-hmm. And you're surrounded by gin here. I mean, we're we sitting know, yes. in Mr. Fogg's. Yeah, um, we are in the Mr. Gin Palace. Gin Palace. So, yeah, there is more than 375 gins, so uh, mm-hmm. enjoy with that. And only one Roman. <laughs> and only one Italian. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. and Roman heart. So, going back to um, the flavors, you want to yes. obviously you had to start with juniper. And uh, can you just talk about the little bit. Some yes, the... so as I said, it's all about the Romans, mm-hmm. okay, what they used to use for culinary and uh, medical purposes. So we have we use seven main botanicals. They are artichoke, and some people say artichoke. Yes, artichoke. Uh, they used to use usually for um, medical purposes, like uh, to you know to uh, disinfect uh, stomach or uh, parasites. Okay, in the stomach, they used to eat that to help the digestion. And after you have celery, that they used thinking about that. So Roma used to use celery for what you actually you 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 put now celery in a drink to fix your hangover, there's the Bloody Mary. They used to eat celery to cool their, to their Bloody Mary. It's quite fun, isn't it, uh-huh. when you're thinking about these things, yes. Pomegranates, mm-hmm. so pomegranates uh, in the Roman Empire used to use as uh, fertility. So um, every time, even if you go in Pompeii, have you never been in Pompeii? Mm-hmm. I love Pompeii. It's just yeah. like a magic word. Yeah. yeah, you can see pomegranate plant, uh, trees mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that was a sign of fertility where uh, new baby bones or something that's uh, wanting to encourage um, family, you know, to be touching on your compagna. Yes, background you know, too. Yes, a little bit of compagna. <laughs> yeah, with my wife. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and after after that, we use obviously juniper because otherwise right. it would be called gin. And rosehip, rosehip again. We used to use for perfumes at the area, okay, for colors as well. So it's really like to gather all these things together, make sure that the Roman uh, inspiration came through. You know, Roman chamomile as well. We used, they used to use chamomile as we do now, for relaxing. So in your, in your teas and your things. So we wanted to reproduce that. And after that, obviously, we, so we mix it up together. We, we, we produce a distillation. The distillation process is done through vacuum. So vacuum, why? Because obviously, as the word says, once you, we, we seal the pots, we don't open it. And after that, when the liquids, when the magic liquid, Italian spirits come out, we perfume, we like to say, we give the Italian twist, perfuming the, the liquid with celery and pomegranates. So because obviously that's too botanical, they're really watery, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't distill that because otherwise it release lots of water, not a lot of flavor. So have you made your perfect Negroni now? Well, we get lots of perfect Negroni. We did. <laughs> was that the first I, I mean, drink that you created from it? That was the first drink. I told you, when we started, that was the first idea. I was like, uh-huh. okay, Italian Negroni, done. So the perfect Negroni, yes. So we launched the perfect Negroni. Everyone loved that, okay. 
we obviously uh, we work a lot with a lot of Italian brands because as I said we want to create this Italian community like for example Italicus okay Rosario mm -hmm. di Bergamotto uh, we work as well a lot with Mancino Vermouth or uh, Luxardo so we want to obviously create these uh, community days together so and that's great you know even but when you see even like don't coming back to the bottle when you see even the label we want as an Italian is so I remember what is a phrase from uh, Enzo Ferrari the the owner yes, yes the, the car maker the car maker yeah the, the car maker yeah. the Fiat maker <laughs> so the idea that he wants it so his vision obviously wants it to create something that's in the world people will remember as the perfect Italian lifestyle and car okay that's why he created the Ferrari okay so it's an achievement it's a vision and that's the same thing he wants to do with our brands you know create something that people will remember forever uh, how long Italian. did it take you to you know test the botanicals and try them and oh yeah, get well, the right uh, base so i believe it took us around an year and a half uh -huh. yes because obviously you know to be fair we are not here to say yes you know you you find your botanicals everything is perfect you know there's a lot to do at the end of the day it's a business you know it's not it's not it's not a joke anymore so right. there's a lot to do behind the behind the castles and one see it you know it, as you said we are not we are bartenders we have people that work in hospitality, we're not businessmen yet. We were in business, businessmen, mm -hmm. you know, or entrepreneur, how you want to like it, to call it. So we had to learn or everything, business plans, finance plan, from, from our own. And that was a great opportunity for us to understand the inside out, so anything that would, would go wrong or not. Luckily, nothing went wrong, <laughs> everything perfect, you know, it's going strong and we are really happy for it. So, yeah. So, can you make me one of those Negronis now? Absolutely, two as well, not just oh, one. Oh, yay, yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks so much. No, thank you. Thanks to Danilo for taking us on a journey beginning in Rome and ending in Rome. Kind of. At least we can dream of Rome every time we're at Mr. Fogg sipping a Negroni Bianco. So, of course, our cocktail of the week has to be a Negroni. This time with all Italian ingredients. Danilo calls it the Negroni Bianco. Instead of ruby red Campari, he uses clear Italicus, a liqueur made from Italian bergamot. Pour all of the following ingredients into one glass. 30 mLs of Seven Hills Gin, 30 mLs of dry Italian vermouth, and 30 mLs of Italicus. Fill the glass with ice cubes or one gorgeous chunk of block ice, if you're lucky enough to have one. Stir the drink to achieve the right dilution, usually 10 or 15 seconds, and then garnish with an orange twist. And as Danilo would say, salute. Remember, you can find all the recipes for my cocktails of the week on alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Next time on A Lush Life Podcast, another gin is being represented. We speak with Jamie Campbell, brand ambassador for G-Vine, France's number one premium gin. He reveals how everything he's done in the past paved the way to this position at G-Vine. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast, the sister of a Lush Life Manual. For more information and links to everything you heard, plus a bit more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde. 
all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra. And I'm your hostess, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar. Bye.